Joining us now as we get an update on how the crop conditions are looking across the state of North Dakota, we have with us Grant Maring, North Dakota DeKalb Asgro Technical Agronomist. Grant, always great to talk with you. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yes, you as well, Jesse. We're doing really well on, on a Friday. Fridays are for optimism. Mornings are for optimism. And it's it's really, really favorable conditions right now across my territory in the greater North Dakota, Northwest Minnesota area. So happy to chat on it. Yeah, let's talk about it. And, you know, thinking of some of the other areas of the Corn Belt who've just been just dying for rainfall here over the last month or so, much of the Northern Plains, North Dakota especially, Northwest Minnesota, has really gotten some timely rains. I know we had a bit of a delay to the planting season, but we were able to catch up in fairly short order. And by the sound of it and by the looks of it, things are are doing pretty well so far in this early part of the growing season, Grant. Yeah, you're reading it really well, Jesse, and I'll just give you a little color to that. I'm based out of Fargo, North Dakota, kind of far eastern North Dakota, cover a big block around me, but I, I stay closely uh, in tune with the rest of the, the area. Um, we came off of, you know, maybe I'll start this with just kind of the, where we've been and where we're going. We came off of uh, March and April being about as cold as we've seen, like climatologically in the last 100, 120 years. Um, we shifted right into um, May and June about as warm as we've seen. And at the same time, we've had a pretty nice b- a bit of moisture. In some areas, we we got, we were fairly droughty, you know, droughty, not nearly as droughty as many other parts of the Corn Belt, um, but we were drier, which is actually a pretty good thing on the whole. Now we've gotten a lot of good amounts of rain, and in across most of the of the area, we're really sitting right where we need to be. Probably northwest North Dakota would be where we're probably the driest right now, where we could we could probably use a, a rain within the week. But what this is, what this has caused is we planted um, a little bit about right, right about average, but maybe a little bit later than average. But our crops have been flying through the growth season. We are ahead of schedule on corn growing degree units from even last year, which was quite a hot year. And we're ahead of the 30 year norms without a doubt. Um, you know, soybeans are, are kind of they growing just steadily, but they're starting to really take form. You can definitely, you know, corn is just, is just, I, I'm, there's plenty of trials where I'm a five, six guy and it's, it's shoulder high on me at least, you know, fields. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just not the crop I work in anymore, but the small grains, the, the wheats and barleys and germs of the world, probably as a general statement um, in some areas are as good as it gets. In some areas we're, we're, are, we're fairly rushed, you know, being a um, corn and wheat are, are both grasses, but corn is a warm season grass. Wheat is a cool season grass. And wheat didn't like this hot weather that we had. It, it's short and it's lower yielding. But the, the corn is looking all the better for that. Uh, so mm-hmm. no, on the whole, we're, we're sitting really good with regards to crop progress and crop staging um, across most areas. Well, Grant, let's talk a little bit more uh, on the corn and, and soybean side as well. And, you know, thinking with how things have accelerated, things looking pretty good for the most part. I wonder about weed and pest pressure. Have we seen much of that here in the early part of this growing season, considering that that big quick shift from very cold to warm, wet, et cetera? I mean, what are you seeing out there as far as weed and pest pressure? The I'll probably hit on three things. Probably one, the, the lack of it for the most part in corn, but the one corn thing I've been seeing, one or two, and then I'll hit on one thing in soybeans. All right, so a lot of the territory, probably a good, well over half the territory I cover personally, 
And then a big part of kind of the eastern part of North Dakota and western Minnesota, you know, even from like Benson, Minnesota, you just kind of wind all the way up to the, to the Canadian border. A, a large area of that country has high pH soils, has uh, high salts, high, you know, um, calcareous soils, etc. And so the, the, the soybean issue of, of note right now is called iron deficiency chlorosis. Mm-hmm. We are seeing a fairly good amount of it. I would characterize it as average to slightly above average in both pressure as well as geographical spread. Um, we have quite a few fields that have flashed yellow that are yellow across the fields or where we didn't manage that iron deficient chlorosis and it looks tough. And then in my own trials, I do a lot of you know genetic trials where I try to find the next best varieties for our, for our future customers. And uh, I'm seeing really good differentiation where you can, you can run across a bean that is grass green looking really good Right next to it is a bean that's not good on iron deficiency, and it's just it's fairly yellow to even close to you know slowly dying of it. Um, so the dry the dry weather. Uh, one of our NDSU extension guys talked about it really nicely, where it was dry early. You know, we planted and it was dry for a good month at month, and really capillary action brought water up from our subsoil, and with it brought salts uh, up. And as the soybeans grew into that, they flashed. But mm-hmm. we're, we're going to recover from it, and we're used to this. But we, we know how to manage it, and we know we're breeding for it hardly. We're really trying to breed for it. Um, in corn, the, the couple things I'm seeing, we, we aren't in the corn rootworm area as much as, you know, South Dakota or southern Minnesota, where that's the big thing right now is we're seeing yeah. some, some early feeding. We've got a little bit of that. But in corn, probably the only thing I've seen around is just a small, small amount of corn smut, early corn smut, and a small, small amount of um, – of, of Goss's will, just a very small amount. But probably the bigger issue in corn that I've seen is just a combination of uneven growth because of poor stand establishment due to maybe shallow seeding or dry when it was seeded at the end of the corn planting window. Or I've actually seen a good amount of, of nutrient deficiencies. That's been the number one issue in corn is both sulfur deficiencies, well, pretty widespread where there wasn't sulfur applied, as well as um, potassium deficiencies where we just saw um, dry conditions, kind of no-till type environments where a fair bit of potassium deficiency, but sulfur by far the number one. Um, But beyond that, I think I drive across a lot of my territory and I see really green corn, you know, corn that is just pretty darn healthy um, all the way down to the soil surface, big leaves. And we're going to see tasseling. We already are seeing tasseling some of the earliest corn, but but tasseling is going to be here within two weeks and, and we're going to have nice tall corn. And then probably what I'm going to transition into is into kind of a radar watch. You In the, mm-hmm. in the early, before the interview, you and I were talking, we talked about deratios in, in some of the areas where they're, they're seeing rain now. And that will be what I'm worried about. We've got really rapid growth in corn. I'm going to be watching for where our, our big wind events come through and kind of um, – I'm not sure what direction that shows up on camera, but you know, from west to east is where our winds typically go, and that yep. would cause some. When that happens, we we can see rapid growth in corn, which could lead to some green snaps. So that's what I'll be looking for um, with this rapid growth. But where we've been is really pretty quite a, a, a good place, healthy crops in the whole. Grant, you you mentioned a few things there with with sulfur deficiency and, and IDC and beans, et cetera, et cetera. How can farmers manage some of those things at this point in time? Do you have any recommendations to you know, broadly to manage some of those things that some of those issues that are out there? We'll start with the iron deficiency in soybeans, then we'll go to the sulfur and corn. There, there are two very different things in how yep. I would pertain to managing them. So uh, in, in, in soybeans, iron deficiency chlorosis, right now, there's nothing to do. 
We do not rescue iron deficiency. We do not go out and spray a, a foliar iron chelate product. It's just the data would say it doesn't work. Um, right now, what you're doing in, in, in soybeans is you are looking at trials from companies like Bayer. You're looking at your own farm. You're talking over coffee. You're talking to your agronomist, your crop consultant. And you're doing two things. You're picking your varieties that have better IDC if you need that for next year. You're looking at the new beans and you're making some decisions early. Hey, I like this one or that one, or these are my the ones. And two, you're evaluating your, your um, iron chelate applications. You A lot of folks are putting down iron with the with the seed um, you, and you're, you're just evaluating, did that work? Do I need to do that? Or if I wasn't doing it, do I need to go a full rate? If I was going a half rate, maybe should I be variable rating it? Um, but you're, you're thinking about next year's decisions for iron and mm -hmm. for iron deficiency. In sulfur and corn, we're probably just getting out of the window where you can rescue that corn, but um, on, on all but the latest planted corn. But if you, a lot of folks have, have figured out that in grasses, in wheat and in corn, we need 10 to 20 pounds or so of sulfur, just as a general statement. You know, you know 10 is probably the minimum, but in some areas we might need 20. And, and the, the coarser texture of the soil, the lower the organic matter, the, the more we need it. But it's, it's been pretty easy for people to put sulfur down with, with their crop. You know, we're putting starters on, we're putting, you know, things like MES or, or AMS. We're getting sulfur in some way in our, in our grasses. Uh, it's just where we saw fields that didn't have any put on, mm -hmm. just, just forgot about it. And they, they were going to come back and, and usually side dress their corn anyway. And when they side dress, they're putting nitrogen on, but they're also putting some, some typically liquid sulfur, some ammonium thiosulfate, um, a lot of where that did get put on, there was none put up front, but they went and side dressed it. It just, we hadn't had the rain up until this last one week ago to, to get that into the roots. And so we were seeing sulfur deficiencies. Now I've driven by those fields and they're, they're, they're getting to be green. But in some cases we saw the, the, the problem of stunting where you get stunted corn growth stages mm -hmm. are reduced and we will see yield loss where, where some of those fields were worse. But if you had yellow corn early, you could rescue it. You can go out and sulfur is a very nice nutrient to rescue with it. You get it on the field. We know how to do that. A little rain will get it in and, and you're good. Um, so yeah, there's two, two different things. You can manage your sulfur with rescue iron deficiency. Mm -hmm. We're just looking to 2024. One final thing I want to ask you about. I know we've been hearing a lot about the spread of tar spot throughout the Midwest and corn. Is that something that you are concerned about across North Dakota at this point in time to see it possibly show up in some cornfields? Right now, no. Um, love the question on tar spot. Um, I, I, I have a good close relationship with one of my um, colleagues here, you know, at NDSU. He's an extension um, corn and cereals pathologist. Mm -hmm. And his, he, he would have tar spot on the radar. He would say, We've, we have never confirmed it as nearly as far north as, as North Dakota, southern North Dakota. However, we do have a, a very favorable environment for that disease, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. we, we have a, maybe even a more favorable environment than, than where it is at in the, in the, in the I states and, and, and where we see the, the bulk of the tar spot so far, Michigan, et cetera, southern Minnesota. Um, so so it's, on, uh, it's something that myself and my job, I get to walk a lot of corn. So I am always going to be looking for it for the coming years. Mm -hmm. And maybe we have an environment where we could get it, but right now um, it's, it's not something that's, that's on the radar all that much. 
Well, good thoughts to consider. A lot of great uh, expertise to share. We always appreciate the time, Grant. Thanks for joining us here today. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. We'll catch up with you, I'm sure, in a, a few weeks and get another update on how the crop conditions are looking across the state. Thanks so much, Grant. Have a nice day. Be more than glad to do that. Take care.